We've examined the four parashios in the Torah that refer to the mitzvah of Tfilim. Two of those parashios, Shema and Vahoyim Shmoa, refer both to the mitzvah of Tfilim as well as the mitzvah of Mezuzah. As a result, the parasha of a mezuzah, when you hang up on your wall, are those two parashas, and that's it. Shema and Vahoyom Shema, those are the two parashios that go on your mezuzah. Those are the only two places in the Torah where the command to inscribe a parchment for mezuzah is actually mentioned. There are two places that it's mentioned in Shema and Vahoyom Shema. Those then become the parashios of the mezuzah. They also are the parashios of the tefillin because they also make mention of tefillin. But in addition, tefillin here in our parsha, in Parsha's bow, makes mention of tefillin in two other parshas. The parsha known as Kadesh, Kadesh Li Kol Bukhar, and the parsha known as Vohoyah also make mention of the command to write tefillin. Therefore, tefillin contain four parshas. And the four parshas of tefillin are, as we've said, in the Shalrosh, they are four separate compartments. One of the ways that that's derived, by the way, I should point out, is, as we've just learned now in Shabbos, in the Dafyomi, that Totefes is what? Is a frontlet ornament. And that's exactly what Tfilin are, a frontlet ornament. But it's written in plural, Totofos. Totofos is the way it's pronounced. In other words, it's plural. It's frontlets. A frontlet is one ornament that the woman wore. But it says frontlets. From here we derive that the it's actually supposed to be four. In fact, what? Totefes. Here it's totofos, which is plural. So it should be frontlets. How many? How do you get four? So there's a number of very interesting um, definitions of that. Rashi right away brings it down that the word tat means two and the word pas means two in different languages as well. As a result, totafos, which is a combination of these two words, comes out two plus two is four. Furthermore, so therefore totafos is understood to be how many frontlets? Four. That's four batten. If you look at the word totafos, it's usually written in a way that it could be pronounced totefes as well, or totefes. In some places it's written singular in the Shema, the Vayim Shema, I forgot what the Vavs. And therefore it's written in the singular. In other words, what you have is it's pronounced totefos, and in some places there's an extra Vav there to show you that it's plural. Although in some places it's pronounced in the singular, or not always pronounced in the plural, but it's written in the singular. As a result, we actually have the film the way we have it, which is that it's four compartments, but it's packed together, looking like it's one. That's why most of you thought that the film Shal Rosh is really one. It can't be one. It has to be four, because it's total false. It's plural. It's frontlets. So therefore, it's a four ornamentation. It's a frontlet that's really composed of four frontlets. So what do we have so far? We know that a mezuzah is composed of just two because it's mentioned only twice. Tefillin is composed of four parashios because it's mentioned four times. Coincidental with that is the fact that the batim are also mentioned in a way that, that is implicit four. On the shalrosh it's four that looks like one. 
The shalyan is an os, a one sign, one bias, and therefore consistently throughout the four places, we find that on the shalyan, it's always laos al yodcha. And I said earlier that from the extra word lacha, mahoyo lacha laos al yodcha, because as you notice over here, if you want to compare the Pasik on page 157, the Pasik on page 158, on page 157 it says, And on page 158, it's Notice there's an extra lacha. There's also another difference which we'll shortly get to. The fact, therefore, that on Pasik Tess, on page 157, it's and on page 158, it's the extra lucha tells you that the shalyad is a sign for you. Not a sign to be necessarily publicized to the world. Okay. So that's one major difference. And from there we learn another halacha. Notice though another difference, of course, is the way the word yodcha is spelled. In one place it's spelled yodcha which is the mole version of the other. Well, in other words, the hey is not necessary for the pronunciation. Because if you just write yud dal chof, you already know to pronounce it as yod chof. Likewise, in the Shema, it's written the same way, yod decho. Ukshartam laos al yod decho. That's on page 450. You go back to page 450, it's written, ukshartam laos al yod decho on your hand. So on page 450 it's not mole, in other words, without that extra hay. On page 157 it's again. All of a sudden on page 158 you have with the extra hay. Yes, it is. It's the mole version. Again, yesterday's daf, if you look in Rashi, on yesterday's daf, he brings down this from here. We derive what? that the word Yod Cha is actually a contraction of two words Yad Cha or Yad Keha which means your weak arm therefore from this we learn that you're supposed to place it on your weak arm on your weak arm again from a practical standpoint what Miles said earlier is true that if you're going to be doing the placing it's going to be much easier to use your strong arm to do the placing and to place it on the weaker arm so therefore the act of the binding is actually done with the right hand. But the hand that's being bound is the left, the weaker arm. For that reason, if you're a lefty, you do it in reverse. But you're always doing it on the yad keha, on the weak arm, which to a lefty is going to be his right. So therefore you're using the strong arm to bind up the weak arm. So although on the one hand one could say that this is still the right hand doing it, but nevertheless the actual mitzvah is not the binding of a person only is missing uh, one arm then the arm that the tefillin is on is the fulfillment of the mitzvah therefore it comes out that we have a, a kind of a remarkable component in the mitzvah of tefillin which is unique to tefillin that precisely in tefillin there's a requirement of yad kehoth of the weak arm so that's something which we have to understand why should it be that in the rest of the Torah the right arm is the one given precedent and by tefillin the Torah itself actually makes note of Yad Keha which is why Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara Shabbos we learned the other day yesterday 
and we're supposed to really have learned it again this morning, specifically puts his left shoe first in order to make note of the fact that the mitzvah of tefillin is an endearment to him, and therefore, because tefillin is so dear, therefore he puts his shoe on. Pointed out again, you know, he doesn't look by other articles of clothing. He doesn't put his left leg into his left pant hole first. But again, because the shoe and the tefillin, you know, besides that they're both things that are placed on these extremities, on the arm and on the leg, but they're also these leather implements that are placed on them. And as we point out from Tysus, and that's where the halacha de- develops, that it's not really the actual placement of the foot in the shoe, but because that you can do with the right, which would then be symbolic of the fact that you're using your right arm to do the tying. So you start off putting the compromise that the Gemara comes up with on Shabbos, Daf Samachalov, is you put your right foot into your right shoe. But the actual binding is you tie the left shoe just like you do the binding of the straps of the tefillin on your left arm. That's how Tysus explains it in Gemara Shabbos, Daf Samachalov. And that's why the custom has developed, the Allah has developed, that, and therefore if you wear loafers, for example, where there's no binding at all, so then you'll use your right foot. Because you always give the right, the, the, the first, the primary um, consideration. So therefore you always use the right first, and you put your right foot into your right shoe. But the binding of the shoe straps, or in our case, the tying of the shoe laces, in the old days was actually, they, they took straps and they bound it around their legs, right? very similar to tefillin straps. That, the Eichelin says, let's show how dear to us tefillin are, and therefore let's use the left one first. And therefore the compromise solution to Gemara is, I mean, Rabbi Eichelin himself actually put his left foot into the shoof as well first. But our compromise is to put your right foot into the right shoe and merely to bind your left, your left first. Okay. The binding is what's reminiscent of the tefillin, yeah. Okay, but the point from all of this is that what we see from the Gemara is, again, the same idea, the same theme. That when it comes to tefillin, there's something unique about it being the left. That's what comes out. Again, the Yad Keha, the Torah writes the extra hey by Yod Cha in order to teach us this lesson as well. Yad Keha, your weaker, your weaker hand. So therefore, there's something significant about the left over the right, which is why the Gemara goes into this detail about actually how you put your shoes on, all based on the film with the right versus the left, left versus the right, and in the rest of the Torah, the right is more than the left, when it comes to the film, it's left more than the right. So therefore now, we have to understand why is the film different, that it's left over the right. To strengthen the kasha is what, what Ernie earlier alluded to, which most of you may have missed, is that it becomes even stranger. Because if after all, it's trying to teach us the lesson, of Ki B'chosek Yod Hotzi Hashem Eschem Hashem took us out B'chosek Yad or B'yad Chazok it's reiterated in these parshas four different times it starts off by saying that Zohar Sayom Hazer top of page 157 remember this day the mighty arm Hashem took us out and then again it says on it says in Pasuk Tess, V'hoyo l'chol l'os al yodcha, U'l'zikar v'nein echol l'wai, L'mantiyat taras Hashem v'ficha, Ki b'yod chazok ha'otiyach Hashem in Mitzrayim. And we learn from this Pasuk, L'cha 
Zikaron, I mentioned earlier, we learned out that it's supposed to be on the top of the head. But it also says, why? Kibiyot Chazaka, because of the mighty arm. And here again, it says it by the end. And we're learning out the weaker arm. Why? To, re- to remember the mighty arm that Hashem took us out of Egypt. Well, if that's the case, then it seems somewhat odd that we're specifying the left arm. The whole Torah, we always go with the right first. And here, where we're trying to commemorate God's mighty arm, we're saying, therefore do the left. Even if everywhere else would be the left, we would want the requirement of the right over here. So first of all, you have the kasha that we always give the right more than the left. Instead of might makes right, it's right makes might. So the right should be the one, like in the rest of the Torah. And here we're trying to commemorate might, the mighty arm of God, we're switching to the left. It's rather strange. It's rather peculiar about film that it's the left. So what we see over here is a number of points about film. Uh, just as a side point, we understand that Shman Vohoyom Shmo, which is in the mezuzah, which is really the Shema, we can understand why you'd want to place that into the tefillin. But I mean, this particular parasha that talks about one aspect of Jewish history by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that is placed in something as important as tefillin, is also something which is, which we have to remark upon. Why it should be that these parashas, what's the significance, what's the connection? between Shema, Vayom Shema, which is the greatest of the philosophical creed of Klal Yisrael, together with this Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Why is this in the tefillin? Why do we wear tefillin? Why do we have to wear tefillin daily? What is tefillin all about? What is the idea of wearing tefillin daily all about? So why do we wear tefillin? So therefore we have a number of questions. Working it backwards, our question is why the left? How is the left commemorate the Chosek Yad why do these parshios get inserted together with something as lofty as the Shema Shema is a very lofty thing Boyam Shema as well how do these parshios get inserted together with that and what does it mean that you have a daily requirement to wear tefillin, to bind it what is this concept of an os of a sign, why do we wear tefillin let's add one more question to it which is the Gemara that you've all learned in Brachas that Hashem also wears tefillin. And the Gemara seeks to identify the parshios that are in Hashem's tefillin, which are the mirror image of these psukim as well. What is that? What the Gemara trying to teach us with that? Okay, now we are finally ready to begin. Oh. To begin. Yeah, now we're ready to begin. First, let's take a look. Sure. First, let's take a look at just the words of the Rambam and the Chinuch, and we'll try taking this as a kind of a progression of what the Mephorshim say about this. It's no way exhaustive, and but as we go along, we'll get further and further insights on things. Let's start off with the Rambam. The Rambam, and of course, it's really based on the Gemara, all of this. But if you look at the Rambam in the upper right, taken from Hilchus Tefillin, Perek Dalet, Kedushas Tefillin, Kedushasun Gedaylehi, the sanctity of tefillin is exceedingly great. She calls man tefillin As long as a person wears tefillin on his head. And also we have to try to understand that's the other points that we should make mention of. Why the tefillin shall rosh 
four compartments that look like one. Why the Tefillin Shalyad is one compartment. Why the Tefillin Shalrosh has the scrolls separated. The scrolls themselves are four scrolls. Why the Tefillin Shalyad is all one rolled up scroll. These are all questions why Tefillin Shalrosh is public display. Tefillin Shalyad is more bahalten, more hidden. And let's throw in another kasha. Why do we put the Tefillin Shalyad first and then the Tefillin Shalrosh? And when we take it off, we take off the Shalrosh and then the Shalyad. As if the Shalyad has to be on without the Shalrosh, but the Shalrosh cannot be on without the Shalyad. What's the significance of that? So we're going to try to answer all of these questions. You all have to be very patient though. In fact, you all probably have to come back to hear the end of it next week. This is what I'm afraid of as we're heading. Okay. So we shall do this. The Kedusha of Tefillin says the Rambam is exceedingly great. If you wear Tefillin on your head and Tefillin on your arm, which according to most Rishonim is actually two separate mitzvahs, which is why we make two brachas on it. We should also point out that Tefillin was meant not to be worn as a ritual during davening. It was meant for a Jew to wear as much of the day as possible, just like tzitzis. Okay, so we have to make mention of that concept as well. So if a person wears tefillin, the way you talk, your conversation, and you're, you're wearing tefillin, you're wearing your talis and tefillin, you're not going to be saying Clinton jokes all day. As a result of a person is wearing a safer Torah on his head, and on his arm, your thoughts are different. Your thoughts are different. And therefore your thoughts are directed to thoughts of truthfulness and righteousness. For this reason, if tefillin contains within it so much, that's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is wear it as much as possible. Because that's what you should be. A Jew should be a tefillin wearer. It should really be the essence of a Jew that you are a wearer of tefillin. Omru Allah, al-Rav, Talmido shal Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the great Rav, that we've learned his statements throughout. I mean, you just scratch the surface of the Yama Talmud, right? And you've already seen who this Rav is. He was one of the greatest disciples of Rabbi Nasi, the first of the Amoroim. They said regarding Rav, that throughout his life no one ever saw him walk six feet or eight feet without involvement of Torah or without tzitzis and tefillin when you saw Rav you saw a, an angel of God with tefillin with tzitzis involved in Torah all three, two out of three, one out of three but nobody just saw him taking a walk and stroll down the street Continues the Rambam. True, you should wear it all day, but certainly you should wear it when you die. So therefore, Tefillin have nothing to do with davening. But if you say Shema and you're not wearing Tefillin, it's like giving testimony and not following through. Because you're saying Shema where you're testifying to God's uniqueness and oneness, but you're not willing to wear the tefillin that contained in the Shema that you should be wearing. 
So it sounds like a kind of a self-contradiction. It's like perjuring yourself. It's like perjury. It's like self-perjury. Okay. If someone is accustomed to wearing tefillin, marich yomim. Length of days. Shenemar Hashem Aleihem Yichyu. Rambam Perikvav. The next Rambam, right next to it. Chayiv Adam Lihizar B'Mezuzah. Mezuzah, you're actually fulfilling every second and every moment that you have it on your door. And it also has the added bonus that every time you're going in and out of your home, entering your house, you're entering a statement that says God's oneness and unity. And every time you walk out your house into the street, you're leaving with a reminder God's one and unique and with you wherever you go. Think about that. That's why people touch the mezuzah. That's why people kiss the mezuzah. Because you're entering and leaving. Oh, God's oneness is there. Says the Ramam, you can imagine the tremendous reward that comes by the simple act of nailing that mezuzah to the doorpost. And each time you go in and out of the home, you're, you're testifying to God's oneness. It's a tremendous mitzvah. Love of God, In order that you should know that there is nothing save God's existence that truly exists. This reminder sets your focus straight, and you then realize that the Narashkite is only Narashkite. Amru Chachomim Harishaynim. He's calling a Gemara. Someone that wears tefillin on his head, on his arm. Vitzitzus bevigdai. Because tefillin is a binding on your on your body, because tefillin is closely bound up with your own body. You put it on your arm. You put it on your head. Tzitzus is a mitzvah on your garments, on your clothing. You surround yourself with the garments that have tzitzis mitzvahs attached to it as a reminder as well. A person that therefore binds Hashem's name to his body, to his head, to his arm, and tzitzis to his clothing, and his home contains a mezuzah, so your home, your garments, and your body. Notice these are the three things that you can have saras, leprosy in. There's leprosy of the body, there's leprosy of garments, and there's leprosy of the home. Right? There's leprosy of the home, leprosy of garments, and leprosy of the body. Tefillin is your body. Tzitzis is your garments. Nezuz is your home. Muchzik. If a person realizes, how could you sin? Look at all these reminders that, that are constantly surrounding you. Chazal referred to them as angels. These are the angels. Angels not merely as guardian angels to protect you from bad occurrences, but that protect you from bad things such as sin. Shematzila noy says the What does it mean you have guardian angels? Tzitzis, tefillin, mezuzah are guardian angels that surround you and protect you from the greatest evil of all, sin. Shenemar 
that the angel of Hashem surrounds those that fear him and rescue them. Let's now take a look at what the Sefer HaChinuch says to add some further insight to this. Sefer HaChinuch is really taken from two places. Mishrosh Mitzvah What is at the root we said? So we already have already some insight as to what Tefillin does for a person. What does Tefillin do for a person? But now he goes on. He says at the root of this mitzvah and the requirement to wear it daily is the following truth of man's nature. Man is physical. He is constantly schlepped and schlepped and schlepped by his Yetzir Hara, by his by his desires, by his tithes, by his libido. It's constantly schlepping you and drawing. It's a constant thing. 24 hours. Therefore, you have to have something that's also, in a sense, 24 hours to counteract this constant draw. You're always being drawn a certain way. That's nature. It's human nature. Man is like an animal. He's composed of a physical thing. But he has a neshama. Kichain teva choymer. This is the nature of the physical. Levakesh which does that it seeks out constantly what is sweet and pleasant for it. That's the nature of the physical. To seek out what is what is sweet and pleasant and pleasurable. Kisus hoven. Literally like an animal, like a horse, like a mule. In loy, if not for the fact that together with this we are given a nishama, shanefa, shachanan, okel, Hashem blew in us, vayipach, ba'apov, ruachaim, Hashem blew into us, a ruachaim. And as a result, timne'enu, l'fikoychum inachet, the soul works in a counter direction to prevent sin. Umeyasher tishkoin, b'gvulo shi'oretz, v'choykum oit, b'gvulo shi'ashamayim, in a sense, you have heaven and earth clashing, because of the great struggle of the neshama to constantly battle against the draw and the schlepping of the body and the great struggle that ensues therefore it needs some assistance some help the nefesh and the shama needs the additional help of so-called guardian angels and guards and protectors to help it along. Because the soul from heaven is living in a bad neighborhood. It's living in, in the world. It's living in a body. We're living in a very bad neighborhood. And we know what that means. You need help. You need assistance. Lest by living in a bad neighborhood, you're going to get mugged. So the nefesh, the neshama, has to be concerned that it's living in a body, it's living in a neighborhood which is wicked, and it's going to get mugged by all of these things that are living here. We know the shtus that's out there in the world that's almost impossible to, to protect ourselves from. So we're constantly beset with muggers. We're living in a terrible neighborhood, and we're constantly being mugged. So you need guards, you need bodyguards, or in this case you need soul guards. And you have all these people walking around with bodyguards. The nefesh that lives in this bad neighborhood 
needs soul guards. Those are the malochim that Chazal referred to that have to surround us. Whereas the Rambam brings down the Posik. These guards. He continues. For that reason, Hashem was kind to us to give us the merit, His holy nation. And He gave us great and mighty bodyguards, guards, soul guards, Sovetlo, to surround us. The command to study Torah day and night and therefore Torah shouldn't depart from our lips which is literally fulfilled by the Shema in the morning and the Shema at night which serves as constant reminders of what the philosophic creed of the Jewish people is. And that's why the Gemara tells us in the Nachos that you're somewhat fulfilling your minimal obligations of Torah study morning and night by the recitation of the Shema when you verbally recite it. And the tzitzis, the mezuzah, the tefillin, in order that we shouldn't follow after our eyes and our hearts that are constantly drawing us. For that reason, the Kohanim in the Beis Hamikdash were not literally obligated in these mitzvahs because they didn't need these these surrounding soul guards. Therefore, because tefillin again is not relevant for us now. As a result, we have the the mitzvah by tzitzis and or by tefillin and therefore my son see my son see let's learn a lesson from this says the says the chinuch he's talking to the son he's talking to all of us but he wrote the safe for his son and he says now my son what could you learn from this see the power of the physical draw that people have see how strong and mighty and powerful it is don't minimize the powers of the Yetzirah. <clears throat> Learn from these mitzvahs the great power of the Yetzirah. <laughs> How much more powerful is the draw of the body over that of the soul? <laughs> because even after all of this, it's still we still succumb. <laughs> Let Hashem help us from sin. We need a great deal of assistance. See that with all of this, we still sin. It still breaks through. Do not therefore minimize the ability of the body. Let's go on with the next piece from the Chinuch. The four parshios that we have. Because in the four parshiyos that we have in the tefillin are contained the essence of Judaism, which is Kabbalah's Al Malchus Shemaim of the Shema, Achdus Hashem, unity of God, and Yitzias Mitzrayim in the last two parshiyos, Shu Machriach Amunas Chidush Olam, which is the essence of the belief of God's power in the creation of the world, 
as well as his maintenance of the world, what we refer to as divine providence, Hashgoch Protis, Hashgoch Hashem Betachtoinim, the Eilehem Yisoydes Das Yehudas, these are the essence of Jewish creed. Lochein, it's Tavino Loniach Soydes Eilu, Kolayom Bein Heinu Baluch Libein, for that reason, these parshas were chosen as being those that we bind literally on our heads and our heart to inscribe them on the on the tablets of our heart, because the arm which corresponds to the heart. Because these two organs, the head and the heart, are the Mishkan HaSeichel, the seat of intelligence. And when we place these things on, as a reminder, it strengthens them. I think it just came out recently, it was a study. I think it just came out a day or two ago. I just briefly heard it on the radio. I didn't really make a careful note of it. But they made a study in Great Britain. What's stronger in terms of intelligence, the head or the heart? And they made some, uh, anyway, you familiar with this study? That it was the heart. Because, and for that reason, it's very difficult for a person when he's excited to think and because it, it, it just overwhelms. I forgot already the essence of the study. But these two things, the head and the heart, are so interconnected in terms of human emotions and the decision-making process of what people do, what people think, that the two are remarkably connected. Therefore, we have to have reminders on our head and our heart. And we have to have constant reminders. So we've already had some insight now, based on the Rambam and the Chinuch, to answer a little bit why we wear tefillin and why we have to wear them daily. We have to wear them as a reminder of who and what we are to protect us from the constant battle and the struggle between our heads and our heart. I mean, between our heads, heart, and the Yetzir Hora, between our Neshama, our Nefesh, and our Guf, the Choymer, the physical, that draws in either direction. And because the struggle is so vast, therefore we need these constant reminders and angels, the guardian angels of, of these mitzvahs, to protect us. And therefore we need them daily. It's another reason why we need them daily. Why these parshas are chosen, says the Chinuch and the Ramban in this week's parsha says also along the same lines. I don't want to go into the whole Ramban, but the Ramban says the same idea. Why Yitzhak Mitzrayim? We understand Shema, Bohem Shemo, this is the creed of the Jewish people. But what's Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Because Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the manifestation of the principles of this creed. Namely, that there is a God, He exists, He's all-powerful, he involves himself in human affairs and he punishes and rewards accordingly. Those that are good, he rewards. Those that are bad, he punishes and he interferes. That's the principle of Hashgochah Protest, one of the most important points of Jewish belief. So much so that a Jew who believes in God and doesn't believe in Hashgochah is considered, according to some Rishonim, as being a denier of God himself. Not so with Goyim. Goyim, not like that. Goyim could believe in God they don't believe in Hashgachah, they're considered believers in God. A Jew who believes in God but denies Hashgachah's Hashem, denies divine providence, is considered to lack belief in Hashem. It means that Hashem interferes and controls nature and controls the destiny of man. Jews have that power. I will therefore briefly now interrupt with, with a different idea about why we say why it's called tefillin. The Prima Godim in Hilchis Tefillin, in Simen Chafhei, 
So what does the word tefillin actually mean? What does the word tefillin mean? What is the, what is the root of the word? Tefillah, prayer, what does it mean? Says the Prima Godin, the essence of the word tefillin is v'flinu aniva mecha. It's distinction, segregation. Jews are different than Goyim. We're different. We're apart. In what way are Jews different than Goyim? How are they different? Precisely in this concept of Hashgochus Hashem. That's what Hashem was demonstrating with the Makos. How many of you remember the Gemara in Brochus Davav? Also based on the passage in turn to page in Parshas Kisovo. Parshas Kisovo, right before the Tochacha. Let's find this. Right before the Tochacha. Hmm. Okay, so we have one more place in Parshas Bo Makas Bukhiris. We have what? What was the Pasik? Where was this? The Chobnei Yisrael Yechad Kelav Leshon Olamisha at the Hamel Leman Yitaydum Ki Yafla Hashem Bein Mitzrayim Uvein Yisrael. So again, we have the word Yafla, meaning Tefillin to separate. What is the separation? Vero Kol Amei Ho'aretz in Parshas Kisavo. That's page four ninety six. Perek Chavches Pasuk Yud. Pasuk Yud over there, first wide line. Vero Kol Amei Ho'aretz. All the nations of the land shall see. Kishem Hashem, that the name of God, Nikro can be read on you. And as a result, they'll be afraid of you. What does that mean? So says the Gemara in Brachas Davav, Elu Tfilun Shabaroish. Rabbi says this refers to Tfilun Shabaroish. Remember earlier we said, right? We learned earlier that Tfilun Shabayad is a sign for yourself, it's for you. And that's not exposed. But film Shalrosh is exposed. Film Shalrosh is public. It's a public display. Therefore, says the Gemara, where do we find Vero Kolameoritz? That all the nations of the world will see that the name of God is written on you or can be read on you. That's the film Shalrosh book. That's the public one. Film Shalyad is private. Film Shalrosh is public. It's public. It's publicly displayed. The Yorum Nekot, they'll be afraid. They'll see Tfilin and they'll be afraid. Why should Goyim be afraid when they see Tfilin? They're going to see Tfilin on your forehead. Ooh, Tfilin on your forehead, they're going to get scared. Why should they be scared from Tfilin? Teret is like the Kriya Magadim says, Tfilin comes from the root of Laman, Teidun, Asher Yaf Hashem. That Hashem makes a distinction, draws a distinction. Marcus Bukharos, that's what the Mitzvah Tfilin was given. That Hashem says, Goy, you die. Jew, you live. That's the essence of Hashgachas Hashem on Jews over Goyim. So what is it that Goyim are afraid of? They're afraid of the extra level of Hashgachas Hashem as demonstrated by Tefillin. Tefillin represents Laman Yafla Hashem. To separate, to make distinct. In what sense? Hashgachah. Because Tefillin, we, we were Tefillin, as we said earlier, Shema, Boyom Shema, the creed of Judaism. As well as Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim, which as we just saw in the Chinuch, and the Ramban also says, represents what? The whole idea of Hashgochus Hashem, which is the essence of Yiddishkeit, that what? That Jews are controlled by Hashem in a special way, supernaturally. Hashem controls the destiny and the fate of the Jewish people in a supernatural fashion. That's something to be scared of. 
when the Goyim see Tefillin, Laman Yafod, the Jews are different. And that Jews, Hashem deals with on a supernatural level. Lamai Lominateva. Lamai Yafla. Ahashgoch protest. Lamai Lominateva. They'll be afraid of you. That's when they'll be afraid because they're afraid of the concept of Tefillin. Why is it Tefillin Shal Roish? That's considered the special Hashgoch. I don't know if we'll get to it today. That's going to be the. We're going to see. Continuation. The Meshachoch talks about so we've answered thus far is firstly what the word tefillin itself actually means tefillin is a sign of distinction and separation of a Jew from a guy we've explained the connection to what this distinction is based on the Pasuk and Parshas Kisava and the Gemara and Brachas Davav referring to the distinction between a Jew and a guy which is in the area of Hashgachas Hashem, of Hashgachah Protes, of Hashgachah Lemailam in Ateva. And that's what the Goyim are afraid of. And that's the reason why Jewish people have the added component of belief in Hashem in the sense of belief in Hashgachah Protes as well. For that reason, the Rosh and the Sefer Orchus Chaim, Paskins, that a Jew that doesn't accept the second part of the Aserah of the first Dibur, a Jew that doesn't accept is also considered to be denying the Anochi Hashem In other words, if you don't accept Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, it's like not believing in Hashem. What does that mean? Well, that means it's precisely this point. If you don't accept Hashgoch Protest and Hashem's interference in divine providence in the affairs of man, is the equivalent of denying God Himself. And this is an extra measure of belief that Jews have to have, and this is manifest in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Therefore, we've now explained why these four parshas are contained in Tefillin. Because the four parshas are Shema and Vahoyim Shema, which is the essence of the creed of the Jewish belief and philosophy. That's the essence of Jewish theology. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim ties in with that as being the fulfillment and the manifestation of these concepts. Shema and Vahoyim Shema describe the concepts of Jewish belief. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim manifest those concepts. Therefore, the two areas are really interconnected. Shema and Vahoyim Shema as declarations of creed, and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as an affirmation of that creed. And ultimately, what that, what that boils down to is the idea of belief in Achdus Hashem, Yichud Hashem, the Kabbalas al Machushmaim, Kabbalas al Mitzvahs, Schar Oynish, and Hashgoch Protes. All of this comes out in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, in the Zeichel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, as the Ramban in the end of Parshas Bo describes at great length, and as we see from the Chinuch. We could also begin now to understand the idea that Hashkodesh Baruch Hu wears tefillin. Because if tefillin represents our special and unique relationship to Hashem, then it's Hashem's relationship to us that has to be parallel and mirrored in the tefillin. What is it therefore that we do? We bind it on ourselves to, to demonstrate our belief and our faith in the uniqueness of our relationship, our emunah and bitochen and Hashem. And Hashem responds in kind and reciprocates in kind 
by giving us the greater degree of Hashgacha Pratis from Him. Therefore, our Tefillin represents our Emunah B'Tacham. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Tefillin represents His reciprocity in, in, the, in the sense of Hashgacha Pratis, Hashgacha L'Maylam and Ateva, V'Niflinu Aniva Mecho, that were difference. Hashem, Hashem will separate and make Jews different than Goyim. This is his unique relationship to us. Therefore, the Gemara and Brachas tries to understand what are the parshios that are in Hashem's tefillin. Those are the parshios that demonstrate the uniqueness of the Jewish people. Just like our parshios are affirmations of Hashem's uniqueness and our responsibility and devotion to Hashem. Likewise, Hashem's parashios are statements of the uniqueness of the Jewish people and His relationship to us. Our parashios talk of our obligation and relationship to Hashem and His uniqueness. And He reciprocates with His parashios that talk of His unique relationship with us and His hashgacha to us and the uniqueness of the Jewish people. That's the reciprocity. And the reciprocity is based on the principle on the one hand of emunan bitochen, on the other hand, hashgocha protis l'mayla And therefore, that's what the word tefillin means. We're different. And that's what the Yorumi Mecca is all about. V'roh kol ha'merot kishem Hashem nikro lecho elu tefillin shebarosh. The Yorumi Mecca, don't be afraid of the fact that the Jewish people are so special and unique with this unique level of divine providence, Hashgacha Pratis. So what we see now from the Rambam how tefillin is a very important mitzvah because it guards and it protects us primarily from the forces of the evil inclination. And so says the Chinuch as well that the tefillin has to protect us from the Yetzirah. The Chinuch furthermore explains the reason for the four parshios, as well as the Ramban in Saif Parshas Bo also explains the same idea that Tefillin contains the parshios that encapsulate all of Jewish theology as well as its manifestation through Yitzhak Mitzrayim we therefore have to bind it on our arms and furthermore the Chinuch explains why it's important to do this daily we've explained the name Tefillin with the Prima Godin that Tefillin means Neflino Aniva Mecha the Hifla Hashem. And that's what the Gemara and Brochus also means in two things. Firstly, in what it means that the Goyim are afraid of the Yorvi Mecha, Elut Fil We've explained that to mean Hashgoch Hashem, Hashgoch Protis. We've also explained that's what it means that Hashem wears Tfilin in parallel and reflection to what we do. And that's the principle that that the Nefesh Chaim always expounds when he talks about the Pasik, Hashem Tzilcha Al Yad Yiminecha. Hashem is our mirror image, like a tail, like a shadow. What we do, He does. What we do, He reciprocates. Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is like a shadow, Al Yad Yiminecha, He's our mirror image. Therefore, if we wear Tfilin, He wears Tfilin. If we do, He does. If we have Amuna and Bitochen, he reciprocates with Hashgochas Hashem. If we say that he's unique, he says that we're unique. The Hiflo Hashem, 
if we were tefillin and we say that Hashem is Khativa Achas, as the Gemara Bracha says, then Hashem says, V'hiflo Hashem, as Yisroel, Hashem says, we are a Khativa Achas, we're also unique. And how is that? That's through the special Hashgachas Hashem, Hashgachapratis, Lemayla that we have over Goyim. But to deserve that, we have to have Hashem Tzilcha, Al Yad Yuminecha, we have to do, and then He'll reciprocate. We have to put on tefillin, and we have to have the tefillin in the sense of conceptualizing and feeling it and recognizing with our emunah and bitachon, and he'll respond with hashgachas Hashem, and therefore the goyim are afraid. The pasuk says, "Ene Hashem al yureyav." Hashem's eyes are on those that fear Him. In other words, tzaddikim, tzaddikim the yureyav that have a greater level, a greater degree of emunah and bitachon, Hashem has and reciprocates to them a greater level and degree of hashgachas Hashem. The more emunah bitachon, the more deveikus b'ashem, the more, the more the fulfillment of this hashgachas Hashem, of the v'roh kol ha-meorat kishem Hashem nikro lach In other words, the more hashgachah, the more emunah bitachon on our part, the more Hashem responds, Hashem Hashem responds with a greater level and a greater degree of, of Hashgacha to Tzadikim and to Klal Yisrael, to Klal Yisrael vis-a-vis Goyim, to Tzadikim and to those that are Mizdabik and attach themselves to Hashem vis-a-vis the rest of the Hamoinam. Therefore, Hashem's Tefillin exactly parallels and exactly mirrors our Tefillin. The same kind of Tefillin that we wear is the same kind of film that he wears. The same kind of Amunah Bitochen that we have is the same kind of Hashgochas Hashem that he responds with. And therefore you could deserve Hashgochah Protis, Hashgochah of Nisim Lomayla Minateva. And therefore the Goyim are afraid of that when they see that we have this level of Hashgochas Hashem. And it's more to Tzadikim because Eine Hashem El Yureyav. But Hashem will always respond Hashem Tzilcha al The Zilna Goyen points out that the Gemara says Eilu Tfilin Sheberosh which means what? It doesn't mean these are the Tfilin that are Al Horosh It doesn't say Tfilin Al Horosh Tfilin that's on the head but Tfilin Sheberosh the Tfilin that's in the head which means what? Because according to the level and the degree of the Munan Bitochen that you develop in the head, Sheberosh, that's the amount of Hashgochas Hashem that you will have from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, says the Goyen, the, where the Gemara says, Elu Tfilin Sheberosh, not Tfilin Al Horosh, but Tfilin Sheberosh, because according to the level and the degree of Dveikus, to that degree, you'll have the Hashgochas Hashem and therefore, to that degree, will be the fulfillment of the Pasik. It's the Tfilin Sheberosh that the Goyim are afraid of. Not the Tfilin Alharosh. What the Goyim fear is the Tfilin Sheberosh. And the reason for that is because the, as much as you internalize, the concepts of the tefillin shel roish, 
if you internalize it to become tefillin shevarosh, that means you have a greater amun and bitachon, a greater devekis to Hashem. Therefore, you will then get a greater level of hashgacha protest, of hashgacha nisi, lemaila minateva. And not that. Because of the tefillin shevarosh. One more aspect I should mention in the idea of tefillin is the very important principle known as Hakaras Hataiv. The fact is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim. We have to be eternally grateful and for that alone to represent our subjugation to Hashem, our willingness to subjugate to Him as His Avodim, to serve Him on account of what we owe HaKadosh Baruch Hu for life and liberty. Tefillin becomes a constant reminder of that as well. It becomes a reminder of our debt of gratitude to Hashem. And of course this principle of gratitude and owing and have, being indebted and to show gratitude. Hakor Satoiv is one of the most important principles in Yiddishkeit as well. We still have some of the other questions to answer as well as to elaborate on some of these points as well which we will continue with next time. To understand why Tefillin Shel Yad has one bias, it's all in one bias, whereas Tefillin Shel Rosh is two compartments. We'll take two different approaches here. Four. Four. Oh, Tefillin Shel Rosh is four. Okay. Four. We'll take two approaches. One is a very interesting one, which I actually sought in the name of three different sources. One will be the Vilna Gain. The other is Meiri, um, which I don't have now and I couldn't find. And the other is the Mate Moshe. If you look Quotes here from the Sefer Matei Moshe, a Talmud of the Marshal. The reason why the Shalrosh is four batim and the Tefillin Shalyad is one by. It's a very interesting reason. Lefisha inyanat Tefillin, as we've already seen, Tefillin is primarily an act of where we show that we are Hashem's servants. We affirm God's existence and our commitment and we bind ourselves, so to speak. Tefillin is l'shabed as kol It's in order to devote and subjugate all of one's physical senses in service of Hashem. Hinei b'rosh yesh dalat chushim. The rosh, the head of the human being, contains the the openings, the orifices, really, if you will, for four of the five senses, namely sight, hearing, smell speech. Therefore there are four partials on the Tefillin Shalrosh. The arm on the other hand only contains one of the five senses. In a sense one could say that the arm actually represents that sense, the sense of touch. You touch with your arm. Or you touch with your hands rather. So Chush Hamishush, the, the sense of touch. Therefore we have one bias in the arm. Now I saw this also brought down in the name of the Meiri as well. The Meiri also says a similar, similar thing. If you look on the bottom left, the same thing is from the Vilna Gain. It's brought down in the name of the Vilna Gain. It's actually in the Gemara and Brachas Davov in the Yad Eliyahu of the Vilna Gain. So this is an excerpt from the Vilna Gain's um, work on Brachas called Yad Eliyahu. Omar Rabin Minayin Shakodesh Baruch Hu Niach Tefillin. That's the Gemara Brachas Davav that talks of Hashem wearing tefillin. Ki inyan tefillin shalonu because our tefillin is lekishur hamachshava v'hiralev. It's to show our attachment 
of our thoughts, our mind, as well as our emotions and our thoughts of our heart, as brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. There are five. There are five senses. The Dalat Ikrim, four of the main senses, the Moach, are all located in the head and the brain. It emanates from the brain, from the head, and it comes back. In other words, the openings by which the, the material that makes impact on your head enters into your head and it also comes out from your head. So the entranceways, the gateways to these four senses, go both going in and going out, are all in the head. No, I, I mean more in the sense of the fact that that you, you, your, your thoughts regarding what you see and hear and how you assimilate and, and integrate the information comes, so to speak, emanating from the head. But the, the data comes to the brain also by way of the head. Because the head is the seat of, of how it uh, assimilates this data and, how it, uh, and, uh, and what it does with it. But it also actually enters in, in that particular uh, part of the body as well, the head. Therefore, you have hachamishi. The fifth sense is chush hamishush, the sensual, actually. In fact, the Rambam refers to chush hamishush based on the statement of Aristotle as chush hamishush ilonu. That the chush hamishush, the sense of touch and sensualism, is really an embarrassment for mankind. But in any case, we're not going to go into that right now. Except for the fact, I'll just make one comment that I always feel compelled to make about this. Yeah. I, I, I always make this particular comment because I, I always thought, you see, the Rambam actually writes that Chush HaMishu, the sense of touch, is an embarrassment for mankind. It's unbecoming for a human being that we're, you know, faced with this kind of sense of touch and all that it, all its ramifications. And the Ramban, who was more of a mystic, a makubal, takes issue with that. They said that's something, you know, it's a philosophical approach, you know. If you go with mysticism, with Kabbalah, you see that a human being is elevated in every sense, and this is all true, of course, what the Ramban says, that a human being is able to sanctify and elevate everything, including the sense of touch. So they sort of criticize the Rambam as being too much of a rationalist, you know. The rationalists were concerned that, oh, the sense of touch tends to reduce us and to lower us, whereas the sense, the other senses are something that a person is able to utilize for information to, to, to bring him to greater heights. The sense of touch is a diversion, if you will. It tends to reduce and lower a person, diminish a person. So I, I just wanted to point out that in Gemara and Brachas, we've learned Brachas, and we find Brachas, if you finish all of Brachas, you see there's Brachas about everything. There's a Bracha for everything. There's a Bracha for what you eat. There's a Bracha for what you smell. There's a Bracha for what you see. There's even Brachas for what you hear. Out of all of the different brachas, you'll find that there are brachas for all of the senses, except the sense of touch. It's the only it's the only sense that doesn't have any brachas for it. In other words, in a sense, in a sense, no joke, no pun intended. But when it comes to making brachas, which represents elevating things, we're able to elevate all of the senses. The sense of touch, we don't even have a vehicle by which to elevate with a bracha. So maybe that's a shtickle raya to the Rambam's approach. But that's an aside. Well, isn't there a problem though? Because we do have a very major thing of uh, your eyes, 
your your heart following your eyes, the sense the sense of touch. Oh, of course, everything could be bad. No, no, no one is saying anything could be. No, no, the eyes is what to see. The point though is that from all of the senses, there are brachas that represent its highest form of elevation. The sense of touch doesn't really have a bracha representing its its highest state. Okay, that's the side. That's why we only relate to the four chushim, as I would you say? No, no, I, I'm, I'm just saying that the, that the Rambam's chusham mishush cherpo ilonu has some some basis in, in actual halach itself. In any case, therefore, he says the four senses that are in the head are represented by the four compartments of the shalrosh. So therefore, he says <clears throat> the four senses are in the head. The chamishi, the fifth, is the chusham mishush, which is of course. Um, throughout the entire body, in a sense, one could say that the same way that the brain represents the four senses that go into the head, likewise, one could say that the heart, the emotion, and of course, the heart with the pumping and with the, all of its actions, really becomes the prime representative of the sense of touch. So if one wants to talk about the other four senses as being in the head and the brain being the king of those four senses, one could talk of the heart as being the kind of, of uh, representative and the king of the sense of touch which is generally diffused throughout the entire body itself. The heart, of course, beats more when it's, you know, and the heart really, of course, is the one that supplies the blood to the capillaries and to all of these kind of things, but in any case, the heart re- is the representative of this particular sense. Yes, says the This sense, Actually, the sense of touch also finds, I guess you could say, branches in four ways. depending on what you do with your actions. So on, on, in one aspect, one could say that the sense of touch also finds itself manifest four different ways, but nevertheless, there, it's really still one sense. And we, we sort of like put it together in the heart. Whereas the four senses that we're talking about in the head actually have four different gateways. They have different senses. We call them by different names. And they also find four gateways in the head itself. There's a separate gate for hearing. And it enters the head in, in that gate. Likewise, when it comes to, to, to seeing, there's a separate orifice, a gateway, if you will, to the head for sight. There's a separate gateway and passageway for the, for the sense of smell. There's another gateway for the sense of taste. So taste comes in in its own gate, smell a second, sight a third, sound a fourth. Whereas the sense of touch is universal and diffused throughout the body and finds itself in the lave as its representation. Therefore, the shell rosh, the shell rosh that we have is 
For that reason, the head, which is the crown, the the head of the, of all the four senses, although it's one bias, but it's four compartments, four separate compartments, because each one is its own separate gate. The shalyad, where we're talking of the the connection and the binding together of all of these forces to Hashem, really is only represented by one. So there's only one bias on the on the arm by the heart. So there's Dalat Parshas, but it's all in one place. So the arm, which is the vehicle of touch, and opposite the arm, which is the heart, that represents the coming together of this diffuse sense, although it has four different functions and manifestations, but it's really one sense, and we want to talk about the knot of tying it all together and binding it to Hashem, it's represented with one bias. Whereas the head, where there are four of the other senses, we are separate compartments, separate gateways, putting it together and knotting them and binding them, showing that we that we're going to utilize them for service of Hashem as well. So therefore the four and the one represent the five different senses of the human being. That's one approach. Uh, Mark is just commenting on your point. He's saying that the the Mate Moshe that we originally quoted for these four senses talks about the mouth as being Dibur. Dibur, speech. Yeah, that's why I said speech. He actually calls it Ria, Shmiya, Reach, and Dibur. The Gain, on the other hand, doesn't, uh, leaves it a little bit, uh, he, he, he leaves it a little bit vague. I don't think he, uh, he doesn't really say. He doesn't mention really what it is, if it's going to be the sense of taste or speech. Okay. No, but uh, let's call on the Shoma. The, okay, well, again, we'll talk about the relation to the four senses. But let's now go into a very beautiful shot by the, uh, from the Meshachach. We'll turn to the other side. Meshachach says like this. Says the Meshachach on the right. Ois, as we've seen throughout, the Shalyad is referred to as an Os, a sign. A sign. And that was consistent. What's the sign? A sign is Nemar Alinyan Hamonasalaabo has to do with the a kind of a sense of faith in the future. That this is a sign, a sign for the future. In other words, it hasn't yet arrived. I'm giving you a sign to have faith in something that's going to occur in the future. It's trying to be an affirmation of a belief or a hope in the future. Kumali quotes other rises, Maois. What kind of a sign will I give? Zikaron, on the other hand, the remembrance and a reminder, which is the Shalrosh, that's a Zikaron, that's for the past. It's a reminder, a remembrance, something to carry with you. So therefore, it comes out that the Os is a future hope, and the Zikaron is a reminder on the past. What do you want to ask? So he says like this, Ki bi'idiyas ikre hadas, because in the knowledge of the basic tenets of, of Jewish faith and that which our previous generations achieved was really the essence, the coming together, if you will of all of the le- lessons of faith that we believe in as we as we mentioned, right? 
Hashem is all the forces of nature. Right. And therefore it brought it brought out very clearly the belief in in the Hashgacha, Ubiyachas Imanu, Hashgacha Pratis, Hashem's relationship to us, the Frat, Ubischar Vainish. Itias Mitzrayim, as we said yesterday, epitomized all of the above, all of the Jewish faith in Hashgacha, as well as Hashem's unique relationship to us, as well as the concept of reward and punishment and responsibility and accountability, which is part of what Jews believe in. That's the essence of Torah and mitzvahs, is that there is accountability and there is responsibility. Torah mm-hmm. means there is such a thing, there's reward and punishment. That's really the essence of the Shema as well. So all of this was brought out in, in a, a very crystallized form with, with the Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Ulerifyon Yad And when the hand of the nation is weak, and when we're at our lowest levels, to not, to not lose up, to lose hope, and to give up. from future hope of redemption. So therefore, represents, in a sense, the fact that when we were at our lowest point in our spiritual state. Hashem didn't forsake us. When we were betachlus at the lowest stage of degradation, <clears throat> the matzav agashmi, and the truth is this was in both physical and spiritual. We were at our lowest point, we were enslaved, and we were living in the, in, in the land of Egypt as slaves, and we had no freedom, we weren't even a nation yet. At that point we were at our lowest state of physical degradation and persecution. The Heder Miles HaChochmo Baruchni. We were also at that point without Torah. We were bereft of all of the, the marks of our culture and, our, and Jewish civilization and Jewish religion and Jewish society. We didn't have any of those things either. So when we were in Mitzrayim, before the redemption, we were at our lowest state, both physically as well as spiritually and intellectually. Who calls us and nevertheless. Hashem did liberate us. Shomar Briso, he kept his part of the bargain, his bris, his covenant. The Goyalom Goy of Goy. And Hashem had to literally force us out and uproot us and rip us out, one nation from another nation. Therefore, Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim itself then becomes a, a model, becomes the kind of a paradigm of Ois Kiloishka Hashem Amo. That Hashem will never forget His people. Because if He took us out so miraculously, at a time when the Jews had one mitzvah, bris milah, and they nullified even that. After Yaakov, after the brothers died, and the Jews wanted to assimilate into Egyptian society, like that letter that you read the other day, about what the reform was like 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Remember, um, who brought it? You brought it in, Miles, right? No, who brought it in? Right, right, Jerry brought it in from this playwright that he was saying that he remembers growing up. He said, the whole Jewish religion then, the reform movement, was one thing. Be as much as possible an American. Leave God out of it. We are part of American society. That became the essence, the religion, if you will, of, of Judaism as, as defined by the reform movement. To a certain extent, that's what the Egyptian Jewish society was like in Egypt. After the period of the death of the, of the first generations, before they were enslaved. And then on top of that came the slavery, the servitude. 
That means the Jewish people have given it all up practically. They were, as Chazal referred to them, as we find in, um, in, in this farm, on the 49th level of Tumah. 49th level of Tumah means 98% Egyptian. That's what it means. It means we're talking about an assimilation right now of 50, 60, 70. I mean, this is qualitative rather than quantitative. 50. So they're on the 49th of the 50th, which is 98%. That's what I'm saying. We couldn't wait. So the difference between a Jew and a guy was just 2%. And nevertheless comes Tefillin. Vinithlinu aniva mecha were different. That 2%. That critical 2%, that little pintle yid, when you're 49 levels down, 49 out of 50. And the angels are saying, Halalu of the Avodazar, Halalu of the Avodazar. They're both the same. The Jews and the Goyim are the same. There is no difference between a Jew and a guy. The Egyptians were of the Avodazar and the Jews were of the Avodazar. That's what the angels were saying at the time. And Hashem said, nevertheless, whatever the reason is, we're not going to go into this right now. In other words, once a Jew is at the 49th level of Tumah, which means he's a 98% Egyptian, the difference between a 100% Egyptian and a 98% Egyptian is really very small. And the water said there's no reason to make a miracle of such a supernatural level for these and not for those. They're the same. Halolo of the Avodazar, Halolo of the Avodazar. And Hashem said, nevertheless, a Jew is still different, even after 98% assimilation. He's still not the same as a guy. And I'm going to make a miracle for him. That the Hifla Hashem, Hashem will make a distinction and distinguish between a guy and a Jew. And he showed it miraculously by Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So therefore, Yitzhak Mitzrayim becomes an os, a sign forever, that no matter how weak Jews are physically, and spiritually, there is always hope. The Jews in Egypt were at their lowest state spiritually because they didn't have the Torah. And the one mitzvah that they did have, which was bris milah, even that they abolished. One mitzvah. And they abolished that one. We know what happened to man. When Adam Arish was given one mitzvah, and he didn't keep the one mitzvah, he became a different person. Death came to the world. You're given one mitzvah. And you don't even keep that one mitzvah, that's very bad. If 613 mitzvahs and you don't keep one of them, it's, it's one thing. But if you don't keep one out of one, it's very bad. The Jews only had one mitzvah, brismila, and even that they didn't keep. That means we were in a physically weakened state, because we were subjugated and slaves to the mightiest empire in the world at the time. So physically, we were never worse than then. And spiritually, we were never worse than either. And Hashem still miraculously saves us. If Hashem saves us then, when we were so weak, then we have a sign forever that hope can never be lost. That Hashem will save us. That's an os. Therefore, tefillin becomes an os. And that's why tefillin contains in it this point that Jews are different than Goyim and there's going to be a difference between a Jew and a guy is tefillin. And you wear Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim then on your arm. You wear Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim on your arm and on your head to say, V'hiflo Hashem, that Hashem will distinguish and make a difference in the distinction between a Jew and a guy. And this therefore becomes an os. An os on your... Again, why is the tefillin shal yad called os and one buys will still get to. But we can understand now the concept of os as explained by the Meshachachma. It's an os 
a hope for the future that no matter how far down you go, hope is never, never lost. Now we can understand why you're wearing the left arm. The weak arm. One of the questions we ask, so why are we wearing it on the weak arm? Terence says that the oath, the whole idea of the oath that is for the future, that this future hope for redemption no matter how weak you are. Just like in Mitzrayim, we were at our weakest stage and this is a remembrance and a commemoration and an oath of what we did in Egypt, a hope for the future. That just like in Egypt, we were at our weakest, at the Yod Keho, at the weakest stage. Likewise, there should be a hope for the future as well. Laos al Yod let it be an Os al Yod on the Yod Keho. Therefore, its film becomes this emblem of the hope. That even when our hands are at its weakest, don't give up hope, don't lose hope in the future redemption. Believe in the fact that Hashem will fulfill His covenant with us as promised through the Prophets. What's the Zikaron? The philosophy to try to understand the, the, the different truths that we've received in our wisdom, then those things become more publicized. We're going to talk about this very shortly. But I want to now dwell a little bit on this point of the Meshachachim before we go to the next one.